Today I'd like to visit a very special place in my life and my ministry, and that is the place of the eagle. If you'll go with me to Proverbs, the 30th chapter, we'll be sharing the 18th and the 19th verse. As you see this morning, those of you listening by podcast cannot see this, but those of you that are watching by DVD or here this morning, you can see that I'm surrounded by three beautiful eagles, and they all have a special meaning to me. The eagle on my right was uh, built just for me. These are not eagle feathers. These are chicken feathers, but did he not do a phenomenal job of reproducing uh, a, a bald eagle, very special friend in Minnesota, did that for me. The eagle directly in front of me is uh, a gift of J.D. Lewis, who is the owner-operator of Warrior Instruments, been a part of our life for almost 30 years. A wonderful friend has been with me to Alaska twice to observe the eagle. And the, eagle, the eagles to the left, the free-falling eagles, are a gift by a spiritual daughter that when this church was just a accident, we weren't a church, we were revival. And uh, she gave her heart to the Lord, and now 23 years later, still serving the Lord, happily married, beautiful son, loves the Lord, and is working for the Lord. So I'm surrounded this morning by eagles, so uh, if you're uh, smart at all, you will realize that this morning I'm going to be talking about the eagle. Look at somebody and say, duh. Proverbs, the 30th chapter, in the 18th verse, again, words of wisdom by uh, a very great teacher and scholar, not Solomon, but a friend of his, makes this statement. There are three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four, that I know not. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. This great man of God is bringing to our attention that the most amazing thing in his life that he's ever observed is the way of an eagle in the air. And we'll bring to your attention a little later that all four of these references deal with the eagle, the, uh, the way of a man with a maiden, the, the courting of an eagle. The way of the eagle is the flight of the eagle. The snake upon the rock is the number one enemy of the baby eagle. And the ship at sea represents the destiny and the purpose of the eagle. I've enjoyed ministering several times concerning the eagle, and I've enjoyed traveling again to the mountains of Minnesota to observe the nests of the eagle, several times to Alaska looking at the eagle, Phoenix, Arizona, Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, a few years ago, I was invited by Gerald Durstein, incredible, phenomenal man of God, is probably 80-some-odd years of age, has literally touched the world. He is the one that married Benny Hinn and his wife and has had a plethora of guests. And Pastor Billy Burke, by the way, if you, you like my beautiful coat, is that not a gorgeous coat? My mentor and uh, spiritual father, Pastor Billy Burke, gave this to me several years ago. But when I was in Minnesota, uh, Pastor Gerald asked me if I would minister on the eagle. So I took five nights, nine and a half hours of teaching on the eagle. I, I appreciated that opportunity, but I promise you I will not keep you today five, nine and a half hours because that, that certainly wouldn't be right. Although I would love to do it. I believe I got all the things in my head that I could do it. I've been prompted by two of my dear friends, Reverend Perry Stone and Reverend Marcus Lamb, to write a book on the eagle. It is on my agenda that I'm going to take a season in my life. I'm going to take a sabbatical, and I'm going to write the message that God has given me. Twice in the past 30 days have I received a phone call that somebody was sharing my eagle sermon on TBN. It's not my eagle sermon. It all comes from the Word of God, and it's scary sometimes when you find out 
how prophetic the eagle really is. Isaiah 40 and 28 declares, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the Lord God, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There's no searching of his understanding, for he giveth power to the faint. And, the, and to them that have no strength, them that have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth, look at somebody and say, even the youth shall faint and grow weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But say it with me. But they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It is phenomenal today to realize how prophetic this particular passage of Scripture is. There are several references of the eagle concerning prophecy, one that I'm sure that you will be blessed, that in Daniel, the 7th chapter, the 4th verse, talking about the last days which we are in, it talks about the nations of the world, and it talks about one particular nation being represented by a lion. And we know that today, lion represents Great Britain, represents England. The Bible says that out of the mouth of this lion, this mouth, this, this lion will spew out of its mouth a man with eagle's wings. And there we find the prophetic word of the United States of America. The world was ruled by queens, but the Bible says there's a generation coming when a man as a president will be represented with eagle wings. We have selected the eagle to represent our great nation. Benjamin Franklin wanted to select the turkey. He thought that the eagle was lazy, not knowing that the ability of the eagle to do more with less. Look at somebody and say, I would like to do more with less. I know our Federal Express is represented by an eagle. A great golf shot is an eagle on a five, a five par. If you make it in two holes in two shots, that's called an eagle. I became just fascinated with the eagle 25 years ago. I called mom last night to find out how long ago it was. 25 years ago, I flew into Anchorage with my dad, and we preached in Ketchikan and Soldatna. And while we were in Ketchikan, the door opened for dad and I to go deep sea fishing. We got up at 4 a.m. to go fishing it for the halibut. Isn't it funny that you can get up at 4 o'clock in the morning for the halibut, and you can't give it, get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and pray? Anyway, dad and I, at 4 o'clock in the morning, were headed to a charter boat, and on our way, to this marina, we were stopped by a construction crew early in the morning. Looked like we was going to be there for a while, so I got out of the car, went and began to talk with the foreman of the crew and ask him what, he was, what they were doing, what was going on. And they were widening the road from four lanes to two. I said, well, how, how's, the, how's the progress? He said, well, we're, we're doing pretty good until we got to this tree. This tree is too close to the ocean, so we had to dynamite the mountain to take the road around the tree. And I said, why didn't you just take a chainsaw and cut the tree down? He said, oh, he said, That's, there, there's a challenge. I go, well, is it a special tree? Is something phenomenal happen at this location? He said, no, it's not the tree. You can't see it from here. But at the top of this tree, there's an eagle's nest. And the state of Alaska will not allow us to touch this tree because of this nest. I said, wait a minute. You're going to dynamite and chuck a mountain away, and you're going to build the road around the tree just because of the nest? He said, that's right. That was 25 years ago. 25 years ago, it was illegal to own an eagle feather. But by the way, not just the Declaration of Independence, but the Constitution of the United States were both pinned with an eagle quill. How cool is that? Several prophetic words concerning the eagle in the last days. Matthew 24 talks about the carcass, talks about eagles gathering together, and it talks about in Luke 17 about the body being gathered together. 
When the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, shall be caught up with wings of an eagle. I believe that's the rapture of the church. And I believe it's important that God's people are ready, waiting, focused, expecting his soon return. Do I have an amen in the building? In Alaska, I've had the opportunity to observe, and I wanted to also comment that three of some pretty intense storms in our life that, that I personally was going through, during three of those storms, I got a phone call either from Courtney or someone in the neighborhood that said, Pastor Hank, you need to get to the church. There's an eagle circling the building. And I thought, how cool that was that God knows how much that I love the eagle, that when I was going through a personal storm, he would send the eagle to let me know that everything was okay. Do I have an amen in the building? As we look at the physique of the eagle, the eagle is a meat eater. God put teeth in your mouth to eat fruit, to eat meat, not vegetables, not grain, not gummy bars, but to eat meat. We are to grow as Christians to go from the milk to the meat, but the eagle is a meat eater. The Bible talks about the flight of the eagle. The eagle has the ability to fall out of the sky at 127 miles per hour and snatch up a rabbit or squirrel, and that's what he feeds on. He feeds on meat. And because he is a meat eater, he has the physique of a weightlifter. He has a powerful chest. He has a narrow waist. He has powerful thighs. And at any time when he wants to, he simply mounts up and flies, and his target is the sun. He is the only creature of nature that has the ability to fly directly into the rays of the sun. You and I cannot do that because our eyes will not allow that. But he has a third eyelid that allows him to accomplish this great task. As we realize the whale is the king of the ocean, the lion is the king of the jungle, as the eagle is the king of the air, but the whale is limited to water, the lion is limited to the jungle, but the eagle is not limited. He has the ability to touch the world. Are you not glad today the relationship that you have with God, you are not limited? The Bible says that we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. I remember as we were on the charter boat, the rods of reels were all, they were all uh, chained to, to the boat. And I asked the captain, I said, why are the rods of reels chained to the boat? Are you afraid somebody's going to steal them in the middle of the night? He said, no. He said, I was fishing one day, and I was trolling on top, and I was trolling deep water. And deep water, I had a bite, so I went to catch the fish. And the top bait, I caught a salmon. And while the salmon was flopping on the back of the reel, an eagle flew by and picked up the salmon and flew off with my $500 rod and reel. Can you see this with an eagle flying with the salmon and a rod and reel trailing them? When we, when we went back to the marina, there was a sign that says, please keep your pets on a leash. This is Alaska. This is the last frontier. This is a wild and crazy place where grizzly bears eat tourists. And you want me to leash, leash my dogs? I went and asked him, why do you want the dog on the leash? This is Alaska. He said, if your dog is running loose and an eagle sees your dog, that eagle will fly off with your dog. And now I realize why people keep their animals on a leash in Alaska. As I was fishing with a couple of good old boys, we were catching some salmon that were 7 to 12 pounds apiece. And about a 1,000 yards away, there was a bald eagle, obviously, in a tree watching us. And as I w was fishing and, and we were having fun, the guys were, were just cutting up having fun. The guy said, I want to show you something, but if you blink, you'll miss it. And he took a live salmon and he threw it up in the air as high as he could and let it fall into the ocean. 
And before that salmon could swim away, that eagle had left that tree, had flown to where we were fishing, and completely went underwater, got that salmon, and exploded with the water and flying off that salmon. I said, my, my, what a fisherman. Delta pilots have recorded that flying at an elevation of 25,000 feet, that they were startled when something crashed in their windshield only to learn that it was a salmon. The only thing they could determine, that an eagle was flying above the plane. Hello. I said an eagle was flying above the plane and dropped that salmon. The eagle is the only creature that has the ability to go into the second heaven. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about Mount Everest. One of the problems in climbing Mount Everest is once you get 20, 25,000 feet above sea level, the air becomes too thin to breathe, and it's almost 100 degrees below zero. But there's something about the wing structure of an eagle. It is layered. Under Armour is a company that sells clothing to keep you warm, and they take that after the order of the layering of the eagle. Every time he circles, every time he soars, he stores up heat that allows him to go places that no one else can go. But the only time that you'll ever see an eagle in the heavenlies is during the time of the storm. If you know anything about livestock or anything about animals, when the thunder roars, the lightning flashes, animals begin to hide. Not the eagle. The eagle begins to pace. The Indians claim the eagle doesn't look at you. It looks through you. There's something about the intense stare of the eagle let, that lets you know he means business. And when the thunder begins to roar, the lightning begins to flash, and the rain begins to fall, that eagle begins to pace, and then all of a sudden, he will mount up. He doesn't need a landing strip or a runway. He simply has the power in his thighs to do that. He mounts up, and he flies right to where he last saw the sun. He flies right through the clouds, right through the storm, right through the thunder, right through the rain, and right there where he left it was the sun. The word says, unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Aren't you glad today that we've got our eyes focused on the things of God, on the things that God has prepared for us? Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation. Several years ago, I was awarded the opportunity to do a conference with Morris Rill in Billings, Montana. It was a tent revival. It was on an Indian reservation. A lot of needs, a lot of amputations, a lot of sugar diabetes, a lot of, just a lot of hurts and pains there with that Crow reservation. And they announced throughout the week that I would be preaching on the Eagle message. And that, that evening, the tent was filled with the pastor. Pastor John had taken a praise and worship team. Kelly Goins was a part of that. And I mean, it was an incredible, phenomenal service. Almost towards the close of the worship, I watched an entourage walk in and sit on the back row of that, of that tent. And I looked to my left, and I asked my sponsor, I said, who, who are those people? He said, oh, that is the chief of the Crow Nation. Now, you talk about intimidation. You talk about pressure. But the Lord helped me. I shared the eagle message. We had a great altar message and went altar service. And when the service was over, an entourage came up and asked me to join them. And I went back to where they were, and they introduced me to their chief. And the chief looked at me and said this, you know more about the eagle than any white man I've ever met. I want you to come to my lodge and I want to share some things with you. And it was with great excitement, anticipation, I went to his house, very modest, very precious, very, 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 very homey. And he began to share some things about the eagle that I did not know. I traveled back and forth on Route 66 and you can go into a gas station, you can find some souvenirs. And I would always see a souvenir 
of a little Indian brave clutching the, the talons of an eagle. He told me this story. I don't know if you remember black and white TV when the cowboys and the Indians and the cowboys circled the wagon and the Indians would, would, would go around the, the wagon train. Well, always in the black and white movie, the chief would be on a horse and there would be a, a brave right next to him holding armor. Let me tell you about that brave. It was the goal, usually of an Apache or a Crow or a Creek. It was the goal of a child, 12 to 13 years of age. He would go and he would snare a rabbit or a squirrel. He would keep that rabbit or squirrel alive. Then he would dig a pit, a pit deep enough for him to hide in. And then he would cover that pit with leaves and branches, try to camouflage it to make it look natural. Then he would stake that rabbit or that squirrel to a, to a, to a string and stake it to a, a, a stick in the ground. And he would watch that rabbit or that squirrel because somewhere in the day or somewhere in the days to follow, an eagle was going to swoop down and catch that rabbit or squirrel. It was his, it was his priority that when that eagle caught that, that animal, for him to reach out and attempt to grab the tail feathers of an eagle. If he accomplished, if he accomplished that feat, by the way, a golden eagle in Australia has been videotaped, weighed 12 pounds, picked up a kangaroo that weighed over 100 pounds, carried a mile before he realized it was too heavy for him to carry. How many of you have ever taken off on projects you realized it was too heavy for you to carry, but you weren't afraid, you weren't afraid to try it? If that young boy had the ability, and he actually reached out, and the talons of that eagle, that eagle would drag him out of that hole. He would reach up, and he would snatch those feathers, and if he accomplished that task, he immediately moved into the chief's teepee. He became a part of the family, and he became the armor bearer of the chief, and when the chief went to battle, he was a warrior that had a headband with a single feather. Am I stirring up any, any memories in the building? And, and that single feather let everybody know that he was the chief's armor bearer, had all of his weapons, and when the chief went to war, he would carry the chief's weapons. How cool is it to know that our kids that are, that are searching for the things of God, looking for the things of God, at a very young age will somehow manage to grasp the hold of the things of God and have their own identity, have their own ministry, have their own destiny, not compromise, but prepare to train to one day to be an armor bearer for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Does that excite anybody in this building? I wish I had an hour, but I don't, but I want to talk just a little bit about when the male eagle gets to a place where he is ready to get married. The eagle, like the dove, mate for life. It is rare in the woods to see a dove by itself. There's usually always two. When that eagle sees a little female eagle, and we went to Homer, Alaska, and we were able to observe this to my left, the free fall in the eagle, we were able to observe that, and I'll explain that in a minute. But when the male eagle sees that little female eagle that he's attracted to, he will throw out that chest, and he'll begin to strut towards her, and he'll let off the sound. Now, I'm not exactly sure that's how it sounds, but I don't want to do it again because it hurts my throat. That little female completely ignores him, and she walks over, and she picks up a stick, and she will immediately leap and fly with that stick, and she will drop it. It is his responsibility to catch that stick before it hits the ground. If he doesn't catch it, she has nothing to do with him, and she blows him off. How many guys can relate to being blown off? Hello. If he catches that stick, she ignores him again, 
and she gets another stick and she flies not quite as high and drops it again. If he does not catch the stick before it hits the ground, she, ignores, she blows him off. But if he catches the stick before it hits the ground, and girls, let me tell you something. That guy will tell you that he will swim the deepest ocean, climb the highest mountain, and walk through the desert on his hands and knees to spend his life with you. But 10 years in the marriage, he is so lazy, he won't get off the couch to get his own iced tea or turn the TV up because the remote's not working. Do I have an amen in the building? If he catches that stick the second time, they fly to the top of the sky and they join talons and he will put his wings over her body and they will fall. She puts her life in his hands, trust him even to the death. When it looks like they're going to crash to the ground, he will throw open his wings, she will throw open her wings and they'll fly back to the top of the sky. They will lock claws again and this time, you see what goes around comes around, this time she puts her wings around him and they fall. And it looks like, and she always plays it a little bit more risky. It looks like they're going to crash into the ground. She will throw open his wings. He will throw open his wings. They will fly to the top of the sky. They will lock claws. They will put their wings around one another. And in the free fall, the two become one. And from that day for several years, as much as 60 years, those two will be together. Doesn't take very long before the eagle decides it's time to have a nest. They will go to the highest mountain range, and there has to be three things in the area of that, that tree before they will build a nest. The first thing is there has to be running water. Don't you love the water of the Word of God? Aren't you glad when it refreshes you and flows in your heart and spirit? There has to be running water. He will not build a nest unless there's a river, a stream, a creek, some type of fresh water supply. Also in the area of that tree, there has to be a rock, not just any rock, but it's a special rock. It's called a flint rock. And if you rub, if you rub the rock, oil comes off in your hands, and there will be seasons in that eagle's life when he will go to the rock, and because his wings become tattered and flying in the heavenlies, all the storm, all the things taking place, something I, I failed to tell you, but the number one irritant of the eagle is the crow. The crow is jealous. It doesn't have that ability it will fly, it will try to irritate the eagle, but let me tell you what the eagle does. He doesn't try to defend himself. He doesn't injure the crow. He simply flies to the top of the sky. And eventually the crow gives up because he can't fly that high. I believe if we stay focused on our destiny, stay focused on our purpose, those that try to hinder us and those that try to hold us back will not be able to go where we're going because God has called us to a higher place. Do I have a witness in the building? When, when they get ready to select the tree, there has to be, and I can't tell you why now, but an eagle will not build a nest unless there's a fresh supply of honey. There has to be a place where bees come every year and they deposit honey. I can't tell you why now. But if those three elements are in that area of that tree, that, that eagle will find the tallest tree and then he will begin to crash into other trees and raw branches. It's documented that a six-pound bald eagle can hit a branch up to two inches in diameter and rip it from the tree. And if you've ever done any weed eating or chainsaw or any, anything with your, with your pruning shears, you'll realize that's a pretty significant power and strength that can do that. He will build that nest. I'll, I'll be very conservative. The, the average nest of a bald eagle will weigh up to two tons. 
Jane can tell you how much two tons are. We helped our banker this week with actually four tons of gravel. So in one setting, we unloaded two tons of gravel. That was a lot of rock. That was a lot of weight. The eagle doesn't just build its nest to last a lifetime, but he builds its nest and he allows smaller birds in the shadow of his nest to build their nest. I believe a lot of times in life we see ourselves sometimes as more loftier than we really are. I think sometimes we see ourselves as eagles on hummingbirds' nests, when in reality we're hummingbirds on eagles' nests. But if we'll forget how important we are and how smart we are and how good-looking we are and how wealthy we are, and we'll begin to help others and allow them to build their nest in the shade of our nest, I believe that one day we'll stand before God and hear Him say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. I have several friends that are major authors. I have several friends that are major songwriters. I have, I have friends that have excelled in business, excelled in the things of the world. But when I stand before God, I don't want him to give me credit for a bestseller. I don't want to stand before God because I want a Grammy or an Emmy. I want to stand before God with my wife to my left, my girls to the right, and hear God say, you were such a reflection of Christ. You were such a reflection of God's word that your daughter saw the guide in you. Somebody help me in this place. Can I tell you, deadbeat dads raise some pretty troubled kids. Mamby-pamby moms raise some kids that are really frustrated. God didn't call me to be a pal to my kids. He called me to be a parent. I am to discipline them, bless them, but then to see the love of God through me. And I hope that my daughters one day will tell you that there are nights when I will walk the halls of the, of, the, of the house and I'll pray in tongues over my daughters. I hope they will tell you that every night I get up in the middle of the night and I go and check on Beth, both my girls to make sure they're okay. I make sure they have pepper spray. I make sure they have mace. I make sure they, they know karate. I make sure they have a cell phone. There are things that dads do to let their daughters know that they're more important than any book, any ministry, anything. And I don't want to touch the world and my own kids die and go to heaven. Am I talking to anybody in the building? As that nest is almost complete, the eagles will find a white birch or a white pine. And they will rob the branches from that white birch and they will line the top of their nest with that white. The Indians claim that in the forest, a storm can happen in just a matter of moments. It can get dark and get ugly. But the eagle can look through that forest and see that little bit of white and know that that's home, and I love that. But I like what Isaiah said even more. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord of hosts. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be as crimson, they shall be as wool. I don't know how God takes the scarlet heart of a sinner and washes it with the red blood of a Savior and gives us the whiteness of a saint. I don't know how he does that. But aren't you glad that you've been to the river, that you've been baptized, that you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb? What can wash away my sins? Say it with me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And every time they fly to that nest, it reminds me of the redemptive power of the blood. The Bible says there is still a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood and lose all their guilty stains. Well, before too long, in that nest, an egg appears. I mean, I tell you, it's not a buzzard egg. It's not a turkey egg. See, I have learned that turkeys breed turkeys. I have learned that buzzards breed buzzards. Turkeys produce turkeys. Buzzards produce buzzards. That's an old joke in the church who always pick on the back row. So if you're sitting in the back row, don't take offense. It's just a preacher thing. But if you sit on the back row 
and you gripe and you fuss and you complain about the length of the, the sermon or the length of the pastor's hair. Pastor Jeff and I are connected because 23 years ago I had long hair and the church he went to didn't allow long hair. So he came to our church because I had long hair. The Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. I think that was pretty smart. But there are people that sit back and they will gripe and they will fuss and they'll complain. They gripe and fuss in the morning on the way to church. They'll, they'll, they'll sit in their Sunday morning spot, their Sunday morning Bible, their Sunday morning smile, their Sunday morning attitude. They're in the parking lot. They're griping and fussing. And in the back seat are two precious little babies. They're listening to everything you say, everything you're speaking, and what you declare. If you're not careful, they will perfect your mistakes and speak it better than you. In that nest, there's an eagle egg because eagles birth eagles. Eagles don't flock. They gather. There's a calling together from time to time that God will call eagles together. We'll more to say about that later. But as that mom sits there on that, on that nest and protects that egg, guess what dad's doing? He's not off golfing. He's not at a fishing tournament. He's not in Vegas. He's right there hovering over that nest, making sure that mom and baby is okay. An eagle will not allow another eagle to feed them except a certain season in their life. And when mom leaves that nest and she goes to hunt to feed herself, guess what that big male macho weightlifting tan bronze male eagle will do? He'll set on that nest, he'll set on that egg, and he will guard that egg. When mom comes back to the nest, he will get right next to mom and he'll take that beak and he'll begin to nuzzle her right here on the neck. And an eagle talk, he begins to say, you're so beautiful. I'm so glad I married you on August 8th, and you better know what date it is, sir. We were meant for each other. You will always be mine. He stays right there in, in the nest with the family, and lo and behold, guess what happens? That The egg cracks, and a baby eaglet steps out. If you've ever seen a bird on a nest, it's just a big old mouth tied to a little bit of flesh. It's always open, and it's always saying, food, food, feed me, feed me. I have some precious nephews in my life, and every year uh, until, I, until I, they got more important things to do, they would come to our house, and they would spend three or four days, and we'd jet ski, and we'd watch movies, and we would have a blast. But what I would do when I knew they were coming, Chris, I would go buy $100 worth of cereal and milk. Because something you learn about teenagers, they never get full, they just get tired. They'll eat, lay down, take a nap, and come back hungry. Well, every time that baby eaglet would open its mouth, mom would leave the nest, fly, hunt something, and then mom would bring the meat back to the nest. And let me tell you what mom would do. Do we have anybody in the building that was born before Gerber's baby food? Anybody, anybody that age? Anybody? That would mark some of us, wouldn't it? Before there was Gerber's baby food, you can buy the plums, the peaches, the, the green pea that always grossed me out. But before, before there was a Gerber's, mom, preparing to feed her family, would cook food for dad and then put some of it in her mouth and chew it and get it just right and put it in the baby's mouth. And young people always say, ooh, that's gross. No, that's love. That's a mom wanting to make sure you don't choke, that you can digest correctly. And it's so fun to be an evangelist and go to a church, take a chainsaw, cut all the trees down, let them lay where they lay, and go somewhere else. It's not so easy being a pastor 
every Sunday staying, making sure you get the right food, the right texture, the right vitamins, the right protein. Matter of fact, at least one Monday morning a month, I write a letter of resignation, but there's no one to send it to, and Pastor Rhonda throws it away. But thank, thank God for a mom that will feed her babies. Thank God for a mom that will raise her kill, children in the way that they should go. And it's not all mom's responsibility. It's a 50-50 thing. It's dad's input. It's dad's involvement. The first God you will ever comprehend is the God that your dad shows you. And if your dad was loving, kind, assertive, bragged on you, complimented you, helped you, spent quality time with you, that's a concept you'll have of a God. We have a generation right now that has been raised by prodigal dads, and we've got a generation that does not really know who they are in Christ because dad never taught them. But the prophetic word says that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. And I compliment every pastor that stays at one church 20 years or longer. I compliment that man because it's so easy to go in, preach your best two-year sermon and go somewhere else and trade up for a microwave. That's all preacher talk. I was a van just in holding revival, and the pastor on the phone wanted to know if the new parsonage had a microwave. But, any, but anyway, thank God for the people that will stay in your life and nurture you and feed you and bless you. Every time Junior opens his mouth, look at somebody and say, every time. Junior opened his mouth, mom would fill it with food. Well, he's eating meat condensed, and as he begins to eat, he begins to grow. Let me tell you about a nest. A nest is great for two. Two's company, but three's a crowd. And this little baby eaglet, is a, he's annoying. He fusses, he gripes, he makes weird noises, he does weird things in the night. And eventually, they come to a place in their life where they realize this nest can no longer accommodate this eaglet. So mom will fall out of the nest, and in the shade of that tree, I couldn't tell you earlier, it would have messed it up, in the shade of that tree, she lands on a rock. And on that rock, she begins to build a miniature nest. She'll get some branches, she'll circle it, and then she'll, she'll go and she'll kill a rabbit or a squirrel, and she'll line that nest with that soft rabbit skin. Then she will take from her chest that soft down that pillows are made of, and she will take that down, and she will layer that nest with the, with the scent of a mom and with the fragrance of a mom and the softness of a mom. And then she'll go back to the top of that rock, and there's that little eaglet. He's, he's taken over. He's got the TV programmed to all of his stations. He's got the iPod, the iTunes, Focus, and everything he wants. It's all about him. All the meals are about him. Everything's about him. And all of a sudden, mom accidentally... As Deuteronomy proclaims, accidentally she will bump her wing against that baby bird and he will fall out of that nest and he will hit that rock. And he'll say, ow, ow, that hurt. He'll look up, there's mom and dad looking over the nest, looking at him, and he looks around and on that rock there is a nest. It is a handmade, hand-selected, handcrafted, custom nest just for him. He's already got his own man's cave, and he's not even 12. He goes over. He gets in that nest. It smells good. It, 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 it's soft. It's, it's cool. There's mom and dad. He's got the shade of the tree. He gets hungry. Mom comes out and feeds him. He begins to walk, and he begins to explore his terrain. He begins to explore his area there, and he'll walk up to the edge of the cliff, thousand foot drop, whoa, backs away from there, and he'll go back to his nest. But mom 
is not just feeding him, but she's watching him. There comes a season in our life when we need to stop being baby Christians. There comes a season in our life where we need to stop getting counsel, stop having bad hair days, stop blaming everything on the devil. The red light's too long. Somebody pulled out in front of you. Stop blaming everything on the devil. There's a season in our life when we need to realize we were born for a higher purpose. We were born with a greater destiny, and there's an incredible anointing attached to that. Paul said, forget those things which are behind and press towards the mark. There's a mark, there's a place, there's a position that God has for every one of you. But if you stay in the nest, your teeth will become rotted, you will not grow, you become handicapped, you become spiritually retarded, and you'll never amount to anything in the kingdom. And the mom knows all that. And while the mom is watching the nest, she's also watching the rocks below. The number one enemy of the baby eaglet is the rattlesnake. He will hide in the shadow of those rocks and he will just wait for some opportunity for mom and dad to be out hunting or them to have their face turned away and then he will destroy that baby eaglet. Mom knows that. The day will come when mom will decide enough is enough. She will fall out of that nest and she will land on the rock there with Junior and she will walk up and she will grab that nest with her beak and she will toss it over the cliff. Junior's attitude, Mom, what's got into you? What are you doing? What's up in this? And that night, he will spend a cold, lonely, miserable night on the rock. No pillow, no blanket, no soft down, a rock. Cold, miserable, wet, yucky. But the next morning, The next morning. You see, weeping endures for a season, but joy comes in the morning. And despite how dark your night is, there's still a sun, and it's still shining, it's still in control, it's still got the authority of heaven and of earth. And the next morning, when he woke up, he couldn't see it in the night. But all night, mom and dad were awake watching that nest. They had that night vision. They can see like no other animal besides the coyote. They can see at night, and they were watching that baby, making sure that baby was okay. We pray that prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If you only knew how many nights you kept God up, if you only knew how many nights God didn't get a full night's rest because he was watching over you because the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ear is open to a cry. There's no storm. There's no danger. There's no tragedy you're going to go through that God cannot see the end of it and bring you back the solution. So, Junior, on that rock, a groan, he's ready now to do what he was called to do. Ironically, he has no clue what he was called to do. How many can relate? How many how-to books have we read? How many we feel there's more in us than we know, but we just can't seem to push through that fog or, or step out on that limb or, or make that happen. But be, be glad to know that you have not just an author of your life, but you have a finisher of your life. And he knows the occurrence. He knows the end of the matter. And he's going to watch over his word to perform it that you will become what God wants you to be and you will do what God wants you to do as long as you're submissive. When you're on a rock out in the middle of nowhere with nowhere to go, you learn how to be submissive. So mom 
will fall down on that rock with that baby, cold, lonely, miserable night, and she will manipulate that eaglet on her wings. Exodus 19 and 3, God said, I brought you out on eagle's wings. She will manipulate and she will get him on the back of her wings and then she will leap off that rock and begin to soar. Junior is freaking out. That is the art or state of losing one's control. He begins to scream, Mom, what got in you, Mom? Mom, what are you thinking? What are you doing, Mom? Take me back to that rock right now in Jesus' name. And sometimes, not even the name Jesus is going to get you where you want to go and do what you want to do because God has greater plans for your life. And that mom will simply, thousand feet above that cliff, she will simply turn upside down and let that baby fall. And you talk about an accident looking for a place to happen. You talk about limbs and beaks and talons. You talk about, you talk about a, a joke. He's a falling joke. And he is sure he's going to crash and burn. It's all over, baby. He is done for it. But as he falls, he doesn't realize he can't fall as fast as his mom can fly. Because it looks like he's going to crash and burn. LT, that, that mama will swoop down, catch him, and carry him right back to the top of the sky. May I tell you, you cannot fall as fast as your God can fly. He rides on the wings of the wind. The clouds are his chariots. He will catch you. He will make sure you're okay. Someone say praise the Lord. Well, you know what? She flies right back to the top of the sky, and he begins to negotiate. He's got her neck and a half Nelson. He's got those tiny little claws dug into her. This is as close as he can get. He says, hey, Mom, Mom, let's talk about this. Mom, let's be practical. Mom, Dr. Phil would never encourage you to be doing this, Mom. But here, here's what Mom knows. And here's what your God knows. If he doesn't learn how to survive, he will not. If he doesn't learn how to fly, he will not survive. If you don't learn to do what God's called you to do and be what God has called you to be, you will not survive. The enemy, like a roaring lion, walked about seeking whom he may devour, and he loves to, to devour immaturity. He loves to, de to de devour pride. He loves to devour mindsets and attitudes. And if you don't learn to use the God-given gifts on the inside of you, you will not be all that you can be, and you will not do all that God wants you to do. She will fly him back to the top of the sky, and despite his negotiations, despite his New Year's, New Year's uh, uh, resolutions, she knows, and she will flip upside down. Indians spend a lifetime watching. This is a big deal in that, in that fall. And in that fall, the, the mama eagle will do something the second time she doesn't do the first time. If he doesn't learn how to fly the second time, she doesn't catch him. I know that sounds very cruel. But an eaglet that can't fly will not survive. The second time, she will fall with him. And as he's right there in, his, in all of his crisis going on, he hears a voice. Ah, flap them wings, boy. Stick them wings out, boy. You can do it. You can do it. And all of a sudden, he hears a voice he recognizes. See, wrong voices, wrong choices. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and the voice of another. They will not follow. 
And as he begins to hear that voice, he does what that instruction says. He simply sticks out those little old wings, the wind. You don't know where it's been. You don't know where it's going. But all of a sudden, the wind catches that little baby eaglet, and he begins to soar. He begins to fly. All of a sudden, he starts doing triple loops. He does half gainers. He does one and a half. He is spinning. He is squirreling. He is flying. Can you imagine what's it like to be an eagle and to fly? What's it like to leave the nest and soar the sky? I don't know just how it feels, but one day I know I will. But there's something telling me I was born to fly. So I'm glad morning when this life is over, I'm going to fly away to a land on God's celestial shore. There is a rapture. There's a flight that I'm preparing for, and I'm going to fly like the eagle. Someone get happy with me. The whole time, look at someone say the whole time, that mom is giving baby flying lessons, guess where dad was? He wasn't at a convention. He wasn't watching after earth. He was at the top of the sky, making sure there were no condors, making sure there were no crows, making sure there were no buzzards, making sure that nothing would hinder mom teaching Junior how to be what Junior had to be. We have a Holy Spirit that is teaching us and watching us and comforting us, but we have a Heavenly Father that ever liveth in the heights of glory, and we have a brother called Jesus Christ ever interceding on our behalf. We've got all three working. The Bible says if any two or three agree in my name, it's going to happen. You've got the Father agreeing that you're going to be what you're supposed to be. You've got the Holy Ghost teaching you to be what you're supposed to be, and you've got Jesus who shed his blood that every day covers your sins with his blood from that fountain. How can you lose if God be for me who can be against me let's fast forward about 40 pages of notes and two and a half hours of teaching I will tell you this there's a prophetic word that said with Ingalls wings God will destroy Moab in 1967 the six-day war this came to pass the Israeli pilots are the greatest in the world they're seconded by none. Our pilots, we give methamphetamines. Their pilots, they pray to Yahweh before they get in the cockpit. Every, every Air Force of the world examines the military pilots. The military pilots of Israel observe the eagle. And the maneuvering and the mannerisms of the eagle, they have mastered. Something happens to an eagle in his maturity. It's somewhere between a bald eagle is called a bald eagle because his head becomes white. The Bible said, blessed is the hoary head. It represents wisdom and strength and knowledge. Somewhere around 10 years of age, the bald eagle will be completely white-headed. But somewhere around 30 or 40 years of age, almost in the prime of their life, they're flying faster than they've ever flown. An eagle was clocked at 127 miles an hour falling out of a an elevation of 10,000 feet above sea level. His eyesight was so keen, he saw a rabbit blink, and he caught it. And in the second heaven, they've been clocked at 240 miles an hour. They know how to get with the airstream and, and flow with it. Let me tell you something. When you're swimming against the things of God, it's miserable. But when you're flowing where God wants you to flow, there's nothing like it. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. In that peak... When he's bench pressed all he can bench press, and he's preached all he can preach, and he's a wrote the greatest songs, he become the greatest of all. Something happens to his mouth. Man, I wish I had time to talk about wounded warriors that have reached their prime and have fallen because their mouth got out of order. 
infection begins to set in, calcium begins to deposit around the beak. The beak becomes too painful to chew, so he stops hunting. He stops feeding. He loses that eye of the tiger. He loses that, that tenacity of a jaguar. He loses that ability to be the king of the earth. His head is bowed. His shoulders are drooped. He begins to walk everywhere he goes instead of Mom, his lifetime companion, can't stand it. She's watching him. She's watching him literally wilt away. He's lost that eye. He's lost that strength. He's lost that attitude. Finally, mom can't stand it anymore. And she will, with a shriek, she will leave him and she will get to the top of the sky and she'll hunt, she'll kill something. And she'll bring it lead at his feet. Mouth is too infected to chew. But he can take that beak and dip it in that blood and drink. And if he, if he takes what mom offers, if mom's doing it out of love, she doesn't know what else. It's not the right thing to do, but she doesn't know what else to do. How many of us have problems in our life and we have people that have no clue what they're doing, but they're trying to help us? If he buries his face in that blood, He'll never fly to the top of the sky again. He'll never get his strength back. He'll never become the king. But the rest of his life, he will approach his food because of its stench. He will become a roadkill. He will eat carcass. He'll eat things that are left over, dead, things that are infected. And he doesn't live very long after that kind of diet. But that bald eagle, when it sees that fresh kill, something stirs up in the spirit. Something comes alive in his bosom and he begins to remember a place. Aren't you glad that we have a place? There's a place that we go to. It's a place like no other. It's a place that reminds us where Jesus brought us from to where we are today. It's a place that reminds us how bad we were before he came in that gutter and picked us up and clothed us and washed us and put us on a rock and sang a new song over us. It's a special place. And sure enough, that eagle will make his way back to that rock, that place where the tree had the nest, that place where he was birthed, that place where he was mentored, that place where he was taught, that rock that he was dropped on. Can I tell you something? Better you fall on the rock than the rock fall on you. I said, better you fall on the rock than the rock fall on you. In that rock, in that place where God has for you, those of you that are growing and those that you're learning, there's a reason we go by to the rock. Because at the rock, when we got thirsty, there was a river to drink from. At the rock, when we got hungry, there was a spiritual parent there to feed us. There was a rock that when the sun got hot, the shade of the tree was there. And there's a rock that when we were too tired to fight, the king of glory would pick up his armor and his weapons and he would come and fight our battles for us. I can take you right now within inches of the place horrifically hooked on drugs. My wife had walked up and gone for several weeks. There were people at my house doing drugs, snorting coke and shooting coke, smoking hash while I was at church. I can take you with inches to the place where I gave my heart to God when that little eight-year-old grandma came by and got me by the hand and took me down there. I can take you within inches of the place where I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with other tongues. And I can take you within inches of the place where that Sunday morning I'd flown to Cleveland, spent a couple days here. Rhonda wouldn't see me. Her dad came and told me it was all over. There was no marriage. There was no hope. I loaded my 10 suitcases and guitar. 
on a taxi, went back to Chattanooga, flew out Saturday night, got in about 3 o'clock in the morning with that Sunday morning, and there was a pastor there preaching, God wants all of you. I went to the altar, and I said, God, I'll do anything but preach. I'll do anything. But on that day, God called me to preach the gospel. I preached one of my first sermons in that church. I can take you within inches of that place. I can go home and get a phone call and said, hey, they sold the church. They've leveled it. It's now Walmart. That's not going to hurt my feelings. That's not going to affect me because my hope is not in a denomination. My hope is not in a building. My hope is not in a ministry. There's a place. It's the rock of ages, and it's cleft for me. And it's a place that I go to, and I'm hungry because he's my manna from heaven. When I'm thirsty, he's my river of living water. And when I'm too tired to fight, he's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Sometimes it takes him 48 hours. That, that hill is so high. And that nest is so far, it takes him two days to get there. And when he gets on that rock, the very place where the nest was, the very place where he learned how to fly, Pastor A.C., he'll walk right up to the edge of that cliff, and he'll take that infected beak. In the great difficulty, he will reach over on his wing, and he will yank a feather, and he will drop it. And then he will yank another feather, and he will drop it. And Big John, he will remove all the feathers from his chest, from his wings and from his thighs. And as he has exposed himself before the God of all universe, you can see the wounds in battle that never got healed. You can see the things that were said against him that hurt him and harmed him. You can see the rejection, the pain. You can see the wounds of the condor, the storms of battle, the trees he crashed into, the weather he endured. As he stands there on that rock, completely exposed, completely vulnerable, he goes to that place where there is water. He goes that place where there is a source of refreshment. Hundreds of years earlier, that rock was selected by his great-grandfather's ancestors just for this time. Jackie, he will bury his face in that water, and he will drink, and he will be refreshed. And then he'll go back to that rock, and he will stand on that rock, and he'll allow the sun to begin to heal, and the sun begin to restore. He takes that dirty, broken beak, and he begins to scratch it against the rock, and he will tear that old beak off, which is very painful. And then he'll take those talons, and he'll rub them against the rock, and he'll tear off those, those talons that become infected. And there he is, newborn, brand new. As the sun begins to warm, and as he, he begins to, to heal, for the next 40 days, he will stay in the area of that rock. And three times a day, he will go to that place where that honey has been deposited. For years the bees came. For years no one ever tasted the honey. Let me tell you something this morning. You may be a Sunday school teacher. You may feel like that no one cares, no one notices. You may feel like you're a sound man and no one gives attention. No one is grateful. But there will come a day when people will feed from that which you have produced and people will grow from that which you have provided. Don't feel frustrated. Don't give up. Don't feel like it's in no vein. God sees you and needs you what you're doing. He eats that honey. He drinks that water. He begins to be healed and restored. There are Indians that spend a lifetime waiting for this moment. It doesn't happen too often. When it happens, it is, a, it is, it is great importance and remembrance of their life. As those feathers grow stronger than they had been, as those talons grow more powerful than they've ever been, somewhere on the 40th day, it's just a, it's just a I don't know if it's a coincidence or a season that so many Things of, of 40 were important in the, in the Bible, and I don't have time to share those. But on the 40th day, he had been completely restored. 
the feathers are back, the beak is back, the talon is back, and he will go and he will stand on the edge of that rock and he'll look up towards that sun and they claim, I'm not seeing this, they claim that tears begin to flow down his face as again he's looking towards the sun. There has been restoration. There has been renewal. There has been healing. And on that day, he will open his mouth. And Pastor AC, you'll enjoy this. He makes a sound that they've never heard the eagle make before. It's a new sound towards the king of righteousness with healing in his wings. And on that day, he will mount up and he'll fly, not back to the wife that's waiting for him, not back to the children that know who he is, but he'll fly towards that son. And on that day, he'll fly so high and so far that they lose sight of him, even in their powerful binoculars. On that day, he again is a king of the air, and he has gone and done what God has called him to do. Maybe that's why David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgiveth all my iniquities, who healeth all my diseases, who redeemeth my life from destruction, who crowneth me with loving kindness and tender mercies. Watch this. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like an eagle. For they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I believe a second wind is coming to the church of Jesus Christ. I believe there is a restoration. I believe there's anointing. I believe there's a season of favor upon us. I believe that the multitudes are going to come, not because of the writing of a one-man sermon, not because of a television production, but because there is a call to the north, the south, the east, the west, multitude in the valley decision. They're coming home because there is a place. It's called the stone that the builder rejected. It's the rock of ages that's cleft for me. And it has said to whosoever that will come, I will restore, I will heal. And we leave this place with that build, with that message. In conclusion, and there'll only be one conclusion, I need to receive a phone call from a Max Security Prison in seven minutes. I will not keep long. Tim never if you'll be ready to take that call just in case. Somehow, some kind of biological clock, the eagle, like several great men of God, Abraham, Jacob, several great Indian chiefs, ironically, knew it was their time to go. They knew the days were accomplished. The Bible says Abraham blessed his sons then drew up his legs in the bed and died. In the heart of that eagle who had traveled the world, in that heart of that eagle had been faithful to one companion his whole life. That eagle that had touched heavens, that eagle that had survived storms, that eagle that had, had gone through every obstacle and survived, knew it was his time to die. And Elizabeth, he would begin to make a pilgrimage back to that place. That place where he was birthed. That place where his nest was destroyed. That place where he learned how to fly. And as he makes his way to that rock, he will lay his head on that rock. And he will look up at the sun. And he will die with his eyes on the sun. I believe that there's a place called Calvary 
And I believe it's a place that we seldom visit enough. I believe it's a place where sinners plunge beneath that flood. I believe it's a place that has a statement to the world that for God so loved his, this world that he gave his only begotten son. I believe there are seasons in our life when we need to make it back to that cross. You want to fly like an eagle. You want to live like an eagle. You want to die like an eagle. You want to be resurrected as an eagle. You've got to be born an eagle. And it's a decision. We're born of sin. Our father is the devil. The Bible says it very clear. But there's a genetic seed on the inside of us called the seed of God. And when we ignite that seed by the words of our mouth, the confession of our heart, and the belief in our spirit, God allows that seed to birth a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Brand new in the kingdom. Brand new in the things of God. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. There are so many things that we could say this morning in appreciation for the eagle. But if you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior and something this morning has touched your heart, maybe you just wandered away. Maybe you're just not where you need to be. Maybe there have been some tough times in your life. I'm not, you're not robbing banks. You're not cooking meth. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about in your heart of hearts, you've grown cold. In your heart of hearts, you've stopped eating fresh meat. You've lost that desire for the things of God. The Apostle Paul said, Priscilla and Aquina were addicted to the gospel. You're not addicted to the word of God anymore. There have been things that have come between you and God. Also, if you continue to record, we're going to give anybody listening by podcast or watching by DVD or listening by CD, wherever you are, if you just make acknowledgement today that you're not where you want to be and you want to get back to that place, sheltered in the arms of God, a secret place, the most high, Acknowledge with me. Father God, I have failed and I have made mistakes and I have fallen. I have sinned. And I'm not where I need to be and I know it. But I love you. I love the things you've done for me. I have forgotten in some of those things and I regret that I haven't been appreciative. But today I call out to you and I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Not just my Savior, but my Lord. The friend that's sick is closer than a brother. I acknowledge my sins. And I'll ask you to take the blood of Jesus and to cover my mistakes and cover my sins and make me brand new. Give me another chance. Renew me. Let me throw all the old stuff away and let me expect new things to happen in my life daily. I ask those things in the name of Jesus. And you all said. The Bible says that heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents in all of heaven today is with us and we thank God for that. We thank God for all that God is doing and all that God is saying. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Get out of the nest. Get out of the nest. Be all you can be. That, that's not the Air Force. That's the Word of God. Be, be all you can be. Do whatever God has called you to do. Make up, make up your mind that this is a season in your life when you're going to find that special place, the shadow of the cross, and you're going to throw yourself under the blood of Jesus and be restored and be healed and be renewed.